0: It's a Hammer and Nigel show. I want to go straight to the hotline and bring on Breitbart Senior Editor-at-Large Joel Pollack. He is traveling home from being embedded in Israel. Joel, you've been doing some incredible reporting on the ground in Israel, but I I can't imagine what it's like. Obviously, being of the Jewish faith, but also having to report on the aftermath of the atrocities perpetrated by Hamas there. Let's start by you telling our audience where exactly were you and what did you see?
1: Well, I went all over the country to see the various impacts of the Hamas terror attack. On Sunday, I went to Kibbutz Be'eri, which is one of the collective farms that is along the border. If your listeners have heard of Kibbutzim, they're basically farming communities that people live in. Sometimes they commute to other jobs, but often they share agricultural jobs on the farm and other duties as well. And these are very close-knit, tight communities, often very left wing because they're somewhat socialist. And the irony, of course, is that these communities of left-wing people, many of whom are peace activists and do things with Palestinians, they were the ones hit by this terror attack. And it seemed like that
0: area was hit the hardest, almost.
1: Well, that's because it's along the border. So those particular communities were along the border with the Gaza Strip. And when the terrorists opened up the fence and attacked the Israeli military positions, they raced to the closest communities, and they knew exactly where they were going. They had used... The workers from Gaza that Israel had generously allowed into the country, they used them as intelligence gathering agents. And so wow. they knew everything about each of these communities, how many guards they had, what the families were, if they had pets, everything. And they went in there and they slaughtered as many people as they possibly could. Um and I was taken to the aftermath of that, and it's just horrific. They went into the town of Styrod, and they just shot anybody they found in their cars. They attacked a police station. I went to the police station, and you can still find the bullet casings on the ground, both the AK-47 casings of terrorists and the uh, uh, the, uh, 5.56 casings of the uh, NATO rounds that are used by the Israeli Defense Forces. And I also was taken to a military base where journalists were shown footage of the GoPro cameras and surveillance footage. Of the attack itself we saw some of the footage of horrific atrocities committed by hamas just absolutely terrible stuff
0: and i haven't really i, I can't I, I can't look at some of those some of that footage I, I scroll past it immediately but that's your job um to report on this does that have an effect on you as a human being obviously it does but i'm assuming you just have to compartmentalize and push on and do your job and tell the story
1: It is a challenge. The hardest part for me was when we got to Kibbutz Be'eri, I knew that there were houses with um, blood on the floor, dried blood on the floor. And I didn't know whether to look for those houses or simply to focus on what I could see. We only had a very limited time there because there were military operations in the area. In fact, that day, they had caught one of the terrorists who had been hiding out in Israel for two weeks near the kibbutz. And so during the entire time I was there, you could hear tank fire. Because the Israeli military was trying to engage any terrorist that might have remained in the field. So I had a very limited time, but I I had to decide, am I going to go into the uh, homes? Am I going to try to look for, you know, these, these gory scenes of blood? Or am I going to just stick to what I can find in this immediate area? Sure. I, I just I I just couldn't I I couldn't bring myself to ask you know one of the soldiers can you show me a house where there's a lot of blood in it you know because sure. I need I need the pictures but maybe I should have said that I mean maybe maybe as a journalist I should have said that but instead I just focused on what was in front of me I I couldn't really bring myself to um, to sort of fetishize the the violence but it was it was just horrific
0: Breitbart senior editor at large Joel Pollack uh, traveling home from being embedded in Israel can you describe now the The attitude or the emotion or the passion or the anger? Is there hope in Israel and not only with the civilians, but the soldiers as well? What's moving forward? How what's the
1: feeling? Oh, it's an incredible feeling in Israel. People are completely united. People feel determined to win. They're determined to invade Gaza and get rid of Hamas. I spoke to soldiers who were massing on the border. They love America. They're so glad that America is helping them. They're taking some American flags actually into battle with them because Mm. they're they're very grateful to the support of the American people for, for, for that support, for the ammunition that the U.S. is giving them, for the military aid. They are grateful to all of us here because they feel a kinship with Americans. They understand Americans have experienced terrorism as well. And so the soldiers are ready to go. They are eager to fight. There's nothing on earth that's going to stop them from going in. They're they're willing to be patient and to wait, but they cannot uh, do so until they've given the order. Until they've been given the order. But but they're there. There are there are 360,000 reservists that were mobilized. The army only needed about 150,000, but they had such a huge response that they've been able to deploy almost, in fact, more than twice as many people apparently. Uh, and people are refusing wow. to go home. They, they just they want to be in the fight. And and in society in general, those who aren't in uniform are volunteering, they're delivering food to people, they are making sure that orphans whose parents were killed are taken care of, they're doing whatever they can to help. So there's there's just a spirit of unity and the whole country is is in this fight together.
0: Are you happy with the United States response so far, Joe Biden's response, the the battleships, the carriers in the Mediterranean, uh, the show of force?
1: You know, I think that Biden has finally come around to Trump's policy on Israel. The reason there was peace for four years under Trump is that Trump made it absolutely clear that if Israel ever got into trouble, he was just going to let Israel do whatever it wanted to respond. And that was enough to scare Iran and Hamas and these other groups away from doing anything while Trump was around. But when Joe Biden came to office, he did the opposite. He put pressure on Israel. He gave hundreds of millions of dollars to Palestinians that had been withheld by Trump because he was concerned about funding terrorism. And, You can see the result. There was a war in May 2021, a few months after Biden took office, and there's a war now, but Biden has changed now. He's got Trump's policy. Now he's saying that Israel not only has the right to respond, but the duty to respond, and he's sent the aircraft carriers to warn Iran away from opening up another front in Lebanon. But I think he's doing the right thing now. It comes a little bit late, but... The Israelis are very grateful to the American government, including President Biden. Even even a lot of Israelis who didn't like him are telling me we're glad he did what he's done. He's he's helping out in a time of need. So there's a lot of positive feeling toward Biden in, in much the same way there was toward Trump, even though people also understand that his policies in general probably weren't helpful no. and may even have uh, may even have been very harmful.
0: Do, do Israelis care about lawmakers here at home like the Talibs, the Omars, the pro-Palestinian demonstrations? Is that even on their radar?
1: It is very much on their radar. Uh, Israelis are particularly concerned about the college campuses in yes. the United States. Yes. And that's partly because Israeli uh, high-tech entrepreneurs have so many connections with American research institutions and you know for Israelis as for many other people around the world the American university system is the pinnacle of research and academic achievement and there are many Israelis who study here and they're shocked in fact They've been experiencing a kind of hostility at some of these elite schools for quite some time because the left has been taking over there, and the left has decided that Israel is evil. So,
0: yeah, Israeli I saw guys, the report you put out with the with the students that had to hide the Jewish students that had to hide in the library from the Palestinian demonstrators.
1: Oh, those are Jewish; those are Jewish kids, not Israeli kids. But oh, yeah, they yeah. were they were barricaded in the library. But but you know, Israelis are watching what's happening on campus in America with a great deal of alarm, and. What's, here's the irony of it, right? These pro-Palestinian activists who shout, free Palestine, and from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What they're calling for then is the genocide of Israel. They yes. want to get rid of Israel, Israelis to get out. Well, if you say that in Cambridge, Massachusetts and Berkeley, California, what you're saying to Israelis effectively, this may not be your intent, but what you're effectively saying to them is you're not safe outside Israel. We don't want you wow. to feel safe anywhere. So, it has actually strengthened Israel's resolve to fight and destroy Hamas because Israelis understand there's nowhere else to go. You can't leave Israel and escape the hatred because, unfortunately, there's hatred even in the United States, which is the most pro-Israel country in the world. Americans in general and the American people are incredibly Supportive of Israel, but yep. because these places where Israelis and especially Jews live in urban places, or Jews live in urban places for a variety of historical reasons. But basically, many of our festivals and so forth require there to be a community. It's very hard to live a Jewish lifestyle if you're kind of on your own in the middle of nowhere. So Jews tend to live in cities, and these are the spaces where Jews live and where they're most threatened. I mean, that incident you mentioned of the kids barricading inside the library—scary. That was in New York City. Yeah, New York City, unbelievable. Like, the most Jewish, the most Jewish city in America. So. The the Israelis are seeing this and they say, Okay, well we're just gonna fight. There's nowhere else to go. These Palestinians who want us to leave, there's nowhere else we would be safe. We're just gonna you know, we can either be murdered in our beds or we can die fighting and, and they're prepared to die fighting. And all those soldiers are going to battle knowing they might die, but they're also knowing that they're gonna prevent any other family from ever being murdered the way that Palestinian terrorists murdered these families in the border communities.
0: One more question here. We're speaking with uh, Joel Pollock, Breitbart senior editor at large, uh, traveling home from being embedded in Israel. And it's a shop question. And I'm I'm really just fascinated with your job and what you did and the reporting you did. But how did you make the decision to go to Israel? And once you got there, how did you know where to go? Do you call up Alex Marlowe, the editor in chief, and say, hey, book me a ticket to Tel Aviv. I'm going in. Like, how? how what are the mechanics of all that?
1: I didn't ask anybody to buy my ticket. I bought it myself. Wow. I had to go. Wow! I had to go. Well, I had to be there. I, yeah. I, I got tired of covering it from a distance and I got tired of the debate on social media. And I talked to my wife and I said, I'm going. Wow. And I just bought my own ticket and I went. And Breitbart was very supportive, but this was my decision. It was my own trip actually. It's incredible. And. I had to be there, and I wanted to be there not just to report, but I wanted to show solidarity with the people there so that they knew that the outside world cared about what was going on there, and I'm very glad I went. It was very, very important. I'm hoping to go back again in a couple of weeks, but it's really, really important that that we let them know that they're not alone and that we want them to win. And I, I think that, that you know there are no left-right distinctions in Israel anymore. You can take the most left-wing person, they're still eager to fight this war because left-wingers were murdered alongside right-wingers. I mean, there was no no distinction. People understand this is a war for existence. And while there is some concern for the loss of life on the other side, there are certainly some Palestinian civilians who have been placed in harm's way by Hamas. The Israeli people can't allow this threat to exist alongside them anymore. They just cannot allow it. And they're going to eliminate it because they want to feel safe again. When you look at how difficult life has been for the last 15 years, ever since Israel pulled out of Gaza, mm-hmm. hoping to get peace, they got rockets instead. They got invasions. They got kidnappings. Now they get the world's condemnation when they fight back. They're just not prepared to take it anymore. And they're, and they're just going to go in and, and get rid of class. And it, whatever the cost is, they're prepared to pay it.
0: Uh, You can find his work, Breitbart.com, Breitbart Senior Editor-at-Large. Joel Pollack, I know you have a long history with this audience and this station here in Indianapolis, back with the Greg Garrison days and and big calling in on Big Tuesday. So we we really appreciate all the work you've done. And uh, call us back in a few weeks with an update if you can.
1: Thank you, and I appreciate the support that you've given us and appreciate your listeners and readers of our site. Stay tuned. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.